0: And I'm Grace. And this is what we wish people knew Vicki Ayala is a brand strategist and visual storyteller who helps multi passionate entrepreneurs identify their signature hook and monetize their bankable skills. She integrates mythicism with this entrepreneurial journey as a way to make the road to success fun, inspiring, and engaging. She creates products to help women navigate self-mastery as a way to differentiate themselves in the online space. It is through this work that she's also able to manage her own experiences with depression and anxiety. Welcome to What I Wish People Knew About Self-Mastery.
1: One of your areas of focus, Vicki, is teaching other women um, how to accomplish self-mastery and stand out in the business world. Can you share how you became involved in this area and what some of your experience has been?
2: Uh, Sure. So I actually started out as a vocational counselor in social services back in 2000, 2002. I was part of, and it was kind of like part case management, uh, part job preparation. One of the programs I worked in uh, helped specifically the displaced workers of 9-11 and helping them regain employment. And so this was during a time where, you know, there seemed like the recession was, was going on. It was very difficult to just for anybody to get a job. And what had happened with that experience was these people had employed for 10, 15, 20, even 30 years, and they struggled to find a job. So, you know, they had a hard time competing with the, the new job market. I ended up shifting in social services and then started working with individuals who struggled with mental illness and or were formerly incarcerated. Now, these individuals had a different set of obstacles with employment, but I remembered with my background in marketing from college, I was able to leverage a lot of those creative marketing skills with their job readiness training. And so how that kind of like brought me into this path was I phased out of social services, got into entertainment. And then started working with creative entrepreneurs. So even though like the industries are still very different, a lot of the skills and a lot of the work from my social services days are coming into effect now when I work with uh, creative entrepreneurs, uh, multi-passionate entrepreneurs on how to stand out, especially in a, a very congested and crowded market.
1: Yes. Oh, so it sounds like you have some background in, in mental health and trauma too, which mm-hmm. is helpful. Okay. Well, can you explain um, for some of us who don't know that might be listening, what exactly is self-mastery?
2: So self-mastery is, is kind of the way I've, I've come to define it is it's a journey of understanding what you want to do and okay. integrating that with why you want to do it. So, you know, we talk about having all this potential, but we never really understand why. And we can easily go our whole lives and never really know ourselves. So I view self-mastery as a way of tapping into one's authenticity
1: okay so your your real self um i guess
2: yeah like really getting into what it you know what makes you tick what makes you you know we talk about passion pursue your passion and we can all identify what our passions are but do we understand why there are passions
1: okay okay so going beyond just the what Mm -hmm. um into more of a deeper conversation um so what are some of the you know, beginning steps or techniques that you would recommend um, for people who might be interested in starting this process of self-mastery?
2: I would say, and and it's interesting, it's it's almost kind of the same process I give entrep- people who are entrepreneurial and want to consider the entrepreneurial journey, or even if I went back and gave myself advice. Uh, the first thing I would recommend is is therapy. And only because working with a professional who knows how to ask the right questions and listen to what you're not saying is a great way to start the process. And then there's tools and resources and you, you could do readings on things like, you know, the Jung archetypes, Myers-Briggs. You know, I'm really big on astrology as a way of getting insights. So getting a natal chart read by a professional can also help with getting that further insight into, you know, kind of like your blueprint essentially.
1: Right. Well, and a lot of these things that you're mentioning, um, whether or not, you know, you're a believer of it, or it's a passion of yours, it's a really good conversation starter, um, and a good place to begin. Mm -hmm. Um, So how can self help us cope with things like anxiety, uh, and depression?
2: Well, being tapped into your why when I look at it from, you know, the entrepreneurial perspective, it doesn't just necessarily apply to entrepreneurship. Because it helps us also better understand who we are and what our triggers are. Mm -hmm. So like personally, I have a strong inclination towards creative expression and freedom. Because as a child, I moved around a lot and I never felt like I was able to express myself. And so one of my triggers is rooted in not feeling like I can be honest or that my voice doesn't matter. And so knowing this has helped guide my own entrepreneurial journey. And it, it also is a thing that tends to spark my own anxiety and depression.
1: Okay, so it sounds like a lot of self-mastery is really just finding out um, your identity and who you are.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, once you have that insight, what's great about it is now you have this information about yourself that's always going to be ongoing and it's always going to be evolving. You could create strategies. You can create game plans like you can create structure around this information so that whether, you know, we talk about entrepreneurship, that seems to be my, my niche with that. But mm-hmm. this could apply to any aspect
1: of someone's life. OK. And so it seems like, um, you know, with things like anxiety and depression, once you know yourself, you know your triggers and then the mm-hmm. automatic uh, way of coping. Yes, exactly. okay. okay. Well, another one of your um, areas of expertise is helping entrepreneurs manage symptoms uh, of depression and anxiety, which is kind of what you were just um, speaking of. Why do you think this is such an important area of focus specifically for people who own their own business?
2: And I think I think we're having we're starting to have those conversations now, and you're starting to see people be a little bit more open about it. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship can be a very lonely journey, yes. and self-mastery is great. But it's not going to, you know, curb those conversations you have with yourself at three o'clock in the morning where you're questioning what you're doing with your business, what you're doing with your life. So having that information is great. But I think also tapping into a community or just connecting with other people, because I think what we find, and especially when we talk about depression within the entrepreneurial space, is that you may think that you're alone, but then you find all these other people who have the same, you know, anxieties, who have the same symptoms who have the same fears and who have the same experiences
1: Mm. so kind of starting that conversation um on your own in order to open that door
2: absolutely Mm -hmm.
1: i think um loneliness another piece i really see it in is people who work you know um in i.t jobs because you know it's it's often isolated you're on your own um you might not have you know contact with people really Um, So it sounds like that that loneliness can also be found in in people uh, who work for themselves.
2: Yeah, and I've always, you know, one of the things I've always questioned is, does entrepreneurship attract people who may be susceptible to depression or does the journey of entrepreneurship amplify that that symptom because I, I you talk about IT it's funny because I used to be a web designer and I used to do coding uh, and I, and my peak time was always from 11 a.m to uh, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m when everybody was sleeping because that's when I can get my work done yeah. and that became i mean I, my friend she said nickname me vampire I had vampire hours because I was never up during normal well we considered normal hours
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it was that was the lifestyle that I had created for myself because of the work that I was doing
1: it's very isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say you don't really know uh, which way it goes. I, I kind of view it as being almost, um, circular. You know, I don't know if a certain personality type is attracted to entrepreneurship. I think you're on something, you know, interesting here, but, um, in that, you know, you are kind of going at it alone and it takes a while to, to see, um, you know, the, the outcome of all the hard work you're putting in, um, Which obviously can spiral into some depression and anxiety.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you get messages that, you know, don't necessarily help with wellness. I mean, I remember when Crush It came out and it was always, you know, you have to be working 18, 20 hours and and, and even being busy, you know, glamorized in yeah. entrepreneurship. And when, you know, thinking back, I look at some of the, what I was like as an entrepreneur in my twenties and what I'm like now, it's, it's almost like night and day. Like I wouldn't even recognize that person. And yes, I was very productive. I got a lot of things done, but my lifestyle was very unhealthy from, from an emotional wellness perspective.
1: You know, it's funny. You mentioned that in college, it seemed as if, up um, if, if that was a good thing to, um, and I think we see that all the time, it's so much harder, I'm working so much more hours. Um, and really that's, that's saying you're, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not giving yourself that break. hmm Um, so what would you recommend for entrepreneurs who might be struggling with depression and anxiety?
2: Yeah, I would recommend talk to a professional and, and I would say these two things, talk to a professional and monitor your time on social media. Ah. (laughs) yes Uh, and and you know I've been following this space for a pretty long time so like yeah one of the areas that I'm pretty tapped into is kind of like that coaching world and Mm -hmm. one of that's one of my you know concerns when it comes to something like depression and anxiety because there's a difference between a life coach and a therapist and you have to understand when you need one versus the other and then also even if let's say and I recommend this to everyone even if they don't have any struggles with uh, depression and anxiety to just create a general wellness plan, because you never know. And in having a game plan for if your wellness, you know, decides to go downward, I created a structure where when I'm in a good state of mind, that's, uh, that's when I know Mm -hmm. what I need to do when I'm not feeling well, so that I have some kind of kind of like a treatment plan, because I know when I'm not in a good state of mind, I can't trust myself to make proper decisions or or to make well decisions. So I kind of, like create that treatment plan for myself when I'm doing good so that I almost kind of like have this process to follow when, when things start going the other way.
1: Well, I'd love that you say that I'm a big advocate of preparing for, you know, a crisis or a bad day before it comes because, um, you know, like you were saying, you're not in a clear state of mind. Um, and it is always good to be prepared uh, and even without anxiety and depression, we all have stress and we all have things weighing on us. Um, and I think everyone should be engaging in some kind of um So what are some of the ways that you maintain this healthy work-life balance or
2: yeah. well well, I would have to say i 'm just starting to maintain a, a healthy work life balance i mean i 've been on a wellness journey for the past six months, and it took a health scare for me to get there and so that 's been instrumental in creating my own work life balance struggles you know oh, one that, of the things that 's key for me is reclaiming my weekends uh, and sleep i mean sleep has always been something that i 've struggled with for for years yeah. and so that for me is also that 's kind of like my my marker. I know that when I'm not sleeping well, then the anxiety and depression are like right behind that. And so, you know, I always try to maintain some kind of structure and and routine with my sleeping pattern, because that to me is, is what keeps me not just, you know, alert, but it it, it almost kind of like it's the leader in my wellness.
1: Okay. Well, I think that kind of ties into what you were saying with Um, You know, people come in with this idea you have to be working crazy hours or 80-hour weeks. And a lot of people view sleep or taking a break on the weekends as wasted time.
2: Yeah, it took me probably 10 years to shift that perspective in myself as well. Because I was definitely one of those people.
1: Mm -hmm. But if you do give yourself that sleep in that weekend, um, your work throughout the week is going to be a thousand times more productive.
2: Yeah, absolutely I mean I realized once I started sleeping it was hard for me to give it up again and (laughs) because it's you know it just even when I have like a bad night or a bad day I know I just need a good night's sleep and it doesn't necessarily make everything better but it helps reset my mind so that I can approach whatever situation or whatever emotions from almost kind of like a blank slate
1: yes I, I like the idea of doing it like that like a a fresh start. Hmm. Um, well, well, are there any resources that you would like to recommend um, for, you know, any of the various topics um, we've discussed today, especially for, um, you know, accomplishing self mastery? Uh, sure. So uh, there are three, actually three books. The first book that I, that I, I
2: would say kind of like sparked that journey within was uh the gifts of imperfection by Brene brown i think it's the first time i've ever read a book and actually cry reading the book i love that and and her tagline was you know let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are so yeah. at least once a year i try to read that book um, right. and then even for like entrepreneurship what, the book that has been really instrumental for me in helping me understand, like, even just with my journey with the entrepreneurial path is uh, it's called, it's life designed for people with too many passions to pick one, the Renaissance soul. Okay. And so it also helps me with my niche because I work a lot with people who are kind of similar to me. You know, the are multi-passionate entrepreneurs. They like all these different things, but they don't know how to organize and kind of like bring it all together. Okay. And then Sally Hogshead has a, a great book called Fascinate, which I also highly recommend. And in, in it in In that book, she talks about your triggers for persuasion and captivation. Okay.
1: Okay, great. And then do you have any of your own professional um, resources or websites that um, anyone who who wants to get in touch with you or, um, you know, kind of like some of the things that you're talking about can find? Uh, Sure. So I, my opt-in for good,
2: five years was a uh, personal brand archetypes, which kind of you know plays along the same idea of creating archetypes, but from a personal brand perspective. And so I've taken that opt in it and converted it into a, a workbook. So I have the personal brand archetypes workbook on my website. And then I also have a sacred journey, which is really more of a guide towards self mastery. And I integrated that with an Oracle deck that I had created, but the the sacred journey mastery follows these kind of like 10 phases of the I call it the sacred journey and it's usually tied in with people who are on that entrepreneurial path with their with their journey mm-hmm. but people who aren't necessarily entrepreneurs have been using it as well. So it's it's more like, you know, phase 1 is surrender and then phase 10 is activate. So it's everything in between that moment of surrendering to the journey and then activating that insight.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's a part of kind of it sounds like being ready to to change and put in that hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big believer in, like, you know, you have all this insight, but the insight's only as good as your willingness to take action on it. Yes, I could not agree with that more. Um, that is so true. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for interviewing with us today. Um, for anyone interested, I'll share the resources um, below in the um, information section of this podcast so everyone can access them uh, if they so wish. Vicki, is there anything else you would like to add before we conclude today? I mean, I would add when it comes to something like self-mastery, it's not,
2: you know, understand yourself, but then also understand that, you know, we hear that phrase a lot with, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. And I think it's a little bit of both, but you have to be able to understand the difference between the two. Like self-mastery can be a destination, but it's also going to be, you know, as our lives change, it's going to evolve. And so recognizing that, self-mastery can be a journey, but with mile markers. So you may have to, you know, and I was talking to someone earlier this week about using that analogy of like, yes, we all love the journey, but at some point we're going to have to pull over and get gas. At some point we're going to have to pull over and get food. We may want to pull over and take some pictures. So you have the journey, but there are going to be points where you're going to have to do pit stops.
1: Yes. And you might circle back. Too.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, part of it is you have to be willing to take that journey to get to the destination in the end. Um, and, and noticing these small successes, these landmarks that you're talking about is really important, because otherwise, you're gonna feel like it's pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that I think that was a great final note. Um, and I want to thank you so much for interviewing with us.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to What I Wish People Knew. If you would like to be interviewed for this podcast, you can email us at info at Again, that's info at You can also reach us at www.acceptingtherapy.com. Thank you.